Welcome to episode number 36 of the Speaking Podcast. Apologies for not uploading any in the last few weeks, but I was away on a trip and I had planned to do some, but uh, it just didn't happen, so sorry for that. But the, over the next month, I've got a lot of decent podcasts that will be released on a weekly basis. Uh, you'll find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram and YouTube on Speaking Podcast. And what I'm going to do is on the YouTube channel um, in the next week, I'll be putting up my uh, speech that I did in the final of the Toastmasters district competition, which was with five countries in humor speech. I didn't win, but I got a lot of laughs. So I'll just give you an idea of uh, my humor. And also I did um, a workshop uh, previously on how to start a podcast because I know some of my listeners uh, are interested in starting their own podcast. So uh, I'll upload that video as well, which is about 45 minutes. So if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, you'll actually see it when it goes up. We've also got uh, two other podcasts, which is learnpolishpodcast.com, if you're interested in learning Polish. And a new one, which is meditationpodcast.org. And I've got all different types of meditation, so that it'll give you a few options. So be sure to subscribe, and if you like it, give us a good rating. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Umesh Bhatt from Birmingham. So, welcome, Umesh. Hey, Roy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, first, I'd like to know who, who the person is. So, you're, you're a young businessman, so you might just tell us something about yourself. Yeah, I mean, to, to give you a quick intro, um, I'm a 22-year-old. Um, I, kind of, I, find, I find it kind of cringe to say the word entrepreneur, but... I guess I'm a young 22-year-old um, entrepreneur. Um, I run a company that basically helps other businesses clearly explain what they do, um, tell their story through animated videos. Um, and so, yeah, that's a brief version as to who I am. I'm not going to bore you. No, very good, very good. And so t- tell us about uh, your, your speaking, because I know in business you're, you're pitching and everything, but like uh, you're still, you're young, but we was it something... Being able to talk to business people was okay, or what's your journey regarding speaking wise? Um, that's a great question. I think when I look back, because I've, I've been in business now for roughly, well, approaching three years. Um, when I first started my company, um, to give a bit of backstory, it was during my summer holidays after my first year at university. Um, and when I first got on, you know, meetings with prospects or people that were interested in my services, um, my speaking was terrible, to be honest with you. I, I would get on calls. I remember whenever I would have a meeting booked at a certain time, the build up to that event, especially, you know, 20 minutes before the actual call, I would just be like completely nervous because I have no idea what to say. I have no idea how to sound like it's completely new to me. Um, I've never been good at public speaking. I've never been someone that's very extroverted. I'd say I've, I've, I've naturally been quite introverted growing up. So um, speaking wise, it was very new to me. And I think one of the key, I guess, skills that, that you're forced to learn when you go into business, and I think it's an important skill in life, is sales. And that 
forces you to improve your speaking, not necessarily just the vocabulary, vocabulary that you use, but also the way you speak, the, the tonality in way, the way you say things, the, the, you know, the, the speed of which you say things. So um, in terms of my speaking back then, it, it wasn't the best. I remember I'd get on calls with prospects and I'd be stuttering. I would be talking very fast. Um, I'd have that thing where, I don't know if you've had this before when you're, you're saying a sentence and then you almost run out of air to breathe. And so it, it would just like, that would kind of add to the anxiety. But to be honest with you, after, a, um, after doing this more and more, and you know, especially when you start getting results, my speaking just started to improve and, and just, yeah, I just started to build upon that. Okay, very good. It's actually, uh, we had a, a meeting this morning with the business toastmaster group that I've done, and one of the girls done a speech, kind of fake it till you make it. And I'm interested in your thoughts on that, because, you know, you started off three years ago, you're, you know, pitching to a client, who's your first client? How did you go about that? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> okay, so when I had my first client, um, and you talk about the fake it till you make it. Is it yeah, so you didn't have a client, but you're trying to land a client. You know, because a lot yeah, of land... Land... Yeah. Yeah, so you're absolutely correct. I mean, when you, when you first start, and the thing is, I was also part of a, I guess, a, a mastermind group where they would teach you essentially how to get clients, how to get sales, how to, you know, outsource work and all these kind of uh, key skills that you need to learn in business. But one of the aspects that they would do um, is like look like a company even if you're not a company mm. and that's a very controversial thing to say to say you know you should look like a company even if you're not a company and but in terms of how I started and got my first client um, to be honest with you I was quite perfectly I, I told him straight up like look I'm new to business um, if you are interested and if you are happy to go ahead then you are literally going to be my first client but Here's like, I've shown him actual data, shown him actual evidence that what I'm demonstrating to him in terms of service, in terms of how we can help him, is not me bullshitting. It's me genuinely being honest. And I still believe that I could help him because I had a process nailed down. Um, so it wasn't like I was getting a client or a first client with zero um, clue as to what I was doing. I had like a process. Of course, it was nerve wracking because I had no idea even though I had a process, I had no idea what I was doing in a way. Mm. Um, so I think the fake it till you make it thing is actually quite interesting because there is an element of being able to fake it till you make it, to be quite frank. There really is an element of that. But I think that only gets you so far. Yeah. You can fake it till you make it when you first start, easy, by just saying, hey, I've been in business for five years. I know so many people that do this. They, they get fake reviews and they do all these kinds of things. But it only gets you so far because after a while you'll come across a serious business um, who will properly do their due diligence in finding out exactly who the hell you really are mm. and whether you are legit. And so um, it's definitely an interesting um, concept for you to make it, but it only gets you so far. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's been an interesting discovery. Oh, excellent. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, because like you mentioned, you were in a mastermind, but I know because we spoke before and you've actually done some coaching on that mastermind group as well. You might tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So um, I guess as I started to get generate a bit more success and um, the business started to grow, um, I found that 
uh, and going back to the speaking thing, I, was, I found that I was starting to get a lot better at just talking to people, connecting with people. Um, or in other words, I got better at sales. Um, and as a result, I, I, being part of this mastermind group, um, one of the things that I did was um, I did sales coaching in the mastermind. So people, um, and this was basically a mastermind which was filled with um, hundreds of other entrepreneurs from around the world all running their own kind of digital agencies or, or some kind of online business. Um, and I'll just basically coach them on sales and tell them exactly, you know, if they had a specific question from, hey, how do I handle this objection? Or, hey, um, I, I couldn't close or whatever. Like, I, I would kind of break it down and give them the um, my view on how they can um, improve on the next time. So I think sales has always been a fascinating topic because I think it doesn't matter if you're in business, sales is just a skill that transfers to pretty much every area of life. I found that when I got better at sales, my personal relationships was a lot better. My communication towards normal people was a lot better because I became a better listener. I became a better person when it came to when it came to giving advice because I wouldn't just give you know um generic advice but I would, I would search for solutions and that's what I guess that's the core of, uh, of sales right it's it's trying to solve a particular problem so um yeah it's kind of a long answer but no, I think it's definitely a good answer, yeah. No, just, just, yeah interesting what I actually yeah, it's, an, it's an interesting topic I think well, definitely because uh, what I did this morning because you're on about the listening what I did this morning is um I decided to make the meeting about tell us who you are and how we can help you. So I had the people pitching. And then there's another part of the meeting is called table topics where you ask somebody any question and they have to talk for one to two minutes. But the question that I got the people to talk to was, okay, now you're that person. Tell me about your business. You know, so it goes back to their listening skills. And, you know, one person was very comfortable doing it and another person, you know, it really freaked them out because they got nervous about it. But yeah, like the listening is critical because some people forget about that in communication. It's you know listening properly. So I'd be very curious with the kind of objection techniques because whether you're in business or in anything, any form of communication, could you share some of your skills on that? Um, yeah, on objections, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, a lot of the times when people think of objections, they think of the language that somebody uses. Um, so, for example, hey, I need to speak to my spouse, I need to speak to my partner, I need to think about it, you know, things like that. Mm. But sometimes there's objections that creep up before it even comes to the actual objection part. So what I mean by that is throughout the meeting, um, and I'll try and make this as, I guess, generalized as possible so that everyone can relate, but um, throughout the, the course of the meeting, you can detect in their tonality, in their voice, if it's a face-to-face -face meeting, you can detect in their body language, whether they've got underlying objections in what they're saying. So even before it comes to the actual objection part where they tell you verbally that they're not interested or they're, they're thinking about it, you can detect those things before it comes. So the trick is, um, I find that the trick is whenever I'm on a call with a prospect is to detect it before it comes. Um, so I think one of my mentors calls it, spotting the elephant in the room if you and the, the funny thing is that we always know that there's an objection coming um, and 90% of the time there will be an objection um, but it's not a solution to ignore it 
it's better to call it out as it is and try and find solutions in which it's a win-win for both of you. So one of the things that I emphasize the most on my calls, um, whenever I've got someone that wants to work with us or they're interested in, in explainer video, which is what we do, um, I, I, I say to them, look, like at the end of this meeting, whether we agree or disagree on, on you know, the, what, my, what my offer is to you guys, the most important thing is that this is a win-win for both of us. So if the price is too high, for example, then okay, let's talk about it. If, if the um, uh, production process takes too long and, we need, and you guys need a video in two weeks time, then okay, let's discuss it. Let's discuss it. It's better that we come up with the solutions um, so that both parties leave on a win-win and, and always try and remember really that the other person that you're talking to is another human being, which is something that we, I think most people tend to forget that in business, you're talking to another human being. You're not talking to like a corporate suit and tie guy, like you're just talking to another person. So um, I, I find that nowadays objections, I do receive objections and everyone does, but they crop up less and less because I try and emphasize on showing them two things. Number one is who I am as a person. I think that's super important that they know who I am personally. Um, and number two, they, they um, understand exactly how I can help them in terms of providing value and, and things like that. So um, yeah, to kind of summarize what I said, it's, it's spotting the objection before it actually arises through tonality, through the, the way they respond to what you say. Mm -hmm. um, and number two, address it like the elephant in the room. Exactly. And I'm not sure if you had this experience, but if somebody is in a corporation and you're, you know, you're trying to get a job through some corporation, but you're not dealing with the, the top player, you have to deal with their subordinates and then they're trying to sell any bets. Have you had a situation like that or would you have advice on this, on something like that? So if you're talking yeah, can, to somebody can, can you and you repeat the last line that you said? You, yeah, can you repeat the uh, last line that you said? I didn't properly catch that. So you're, you're basically, you're talking to um, uh, like a, a corporation and the person you're yep. dealing with is just a manager, but the person that makes the decision is say a director. So you have, you know, to get yeah, so the yeah. trying to sell it, but they're not going to have the same enthusiasm or won't know the objection techniques. So how yeah. do you deal with a situation like that? So with those people, and you get a lot of that because it's not, it's not, um, it's not possible to always talk directly to the person that you want to talk to. Yeah. Um, so for example, when I first started business, I started with cold calling and one of the major uh, challenges you have in cold calling is getting past the gatekeeper, AKA the receptionist. Most people that do cold calling think, Oh, the receptionist, she doesn't know anything. Like I don't want to talk to her. I want to talk to the CEO. But what they don't realize is that the gatekeeper is called the gatekeeper because they're there to filter out people that are going to waste the CEO's time. They're there to qualify people who are calling um, to see whether they are going to be worth the CEO's time or the marketing director's time. So um, I think this is super important. Um, in terms of how you deal with that, I think it's important that you understand um, that, you, that you emphasize that they matter. I know that sounds kind of cli uh, cliche no, or cheesy, right, yeah. but um, don't brush them off. And that's one thing that I learned because I, I I did this when I first started when I would kind of dismiss the person I'm talking to. So I'll say, Hey, um, I'm sorry, but we can't talk to you. We need to talk to the CEO because um, I'd basically say something which looking back now, I realized it's a stupid method. 
Um, so the best way to do it is win them over first. So if you can win the manager over first, then he's going to have the enthusiasm that he didn't have at the start. And then when he talks to the CEO, he will be saying nothing but positive things about you. Um, that's number one. Um, and I do this with a gatekeeper as well. For example, when I was doing code calling um, years ago, um, I'll, I'll try and befriend the gatekeeper. I'll try and kind of understand where she's coming from, where, uh, or he, and, and that way they, they appreciate it. Um, but number two is, and this is kind of a, I guess, a, a secret technique that I'm going to share, is um, it really helps to send videos. So what I mean by this is if the person you're talking to is not the decision maker, um, so for example, they need to talk to their CEO and their CEO assigned them the role of hiring someone, then a really good technique is to send them a follow-up video once you've finished that meeting. And that follow-up video is basically going to be a summary of what you and Mark, the manager, spoke about. And that way, he can just show that video to the actual decision maker, whether it's the CEO or the marketing director. Because one thing's for sure is that when someone says they, they need to talk to their partner, one thing's for sure is that they're not going to do the conversation that you guys had justice because they're just going to give like a two minute summary. Like, Hey, I just talked to Umesh. Um, he was really cool. Like, I liked his animation. Like, I liked the way he was talking. When in reality, that call was about 50 minutes long and we talked about a lot more things than he's saying. So um, follow up videos really help in giving the full like picture that. and context. I've heard that one before. That's a nice one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, that, and that, that's what's kind of um, really transformed the, the uh, I guess, close rate and amount of clients that we take on because people just love the, I think people appreciate the personal response and approach. And just kind of following up on that as well, I've noticed with some people, if you're meeting in a reception area and you, you like some people brush off the secretary or they're, they're rude to them or they just, they just, you know, don't chit chat. But a lot of the times the CEO or the director will get feedback from the receptionist to ask them what they think about that person. And if they're rude yeah. to them or they're just kind of strange, the person yeah. that's going to be really sweet to them has a better chance of getting the job. It's so true. And the thing is that nobody knows the CEO more than, for example, the secretary. Exactly. So the, the, funny, the funny thing is that the CEO will actually trust the secretary more than the other person actually thinks. Like they really do trust those people. And I, I think also it's just a basic human rule, like treat everyone how you want to be treated. It's as simple as that. Don't, don't try and uh, let your ego get in the way just because, oh, that person's beneath you, which is not the case. Exactly, exactly. And I know that you've got clients uh, around the world. So how, how do you differ between the different nationalities and kind of customs and stuff like that? Do you have a process for that? Um, yeah, so we've got clients from literally from Australia to the UK to America, Canada. Um, we've even had clients in China and Japan, which is uh, very interesting. Uh, I love it because it gives me different perspectives on how they do things. So, for example, like in the UK, it might be standard business practice to pay through, I don't know, bank transfer, whether in the, where, whereas in like Japan, it might be standard business practice to do something else. And just, I, I, I really like those like traditions. I think you can get a lot of um, insights from the way it works. Um, in terms of challenges and things like that, I don't, the challenges that you get, I, I actually find that clients I get abroad 
tend to be my favorite ones and the ones I enjoy working with the most. Um, so for example, I find that the US clients that we have or the Canadian clients that we have tend to be a bit more open and um, yeah, they tend to be a lot more open into receiving um, suggestions and your input. So I, I think that's the other interesting thing, just seeing different cultures and how different areas are quite more ambitious than the other and all these different like nuances, but um, it's, it's certainly interesting working with, working with different co uh, countries. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like regarding like getting uh, to the coaching, go back to the coaching again, like have you any advice for people that would like to be a coach? Because I know that a lot of the listeners are actually trying to be coaches as well. And it's a skill to be able to coach people. And like you're kind of, you know, you've experienced kind of coaching to other yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, to be honest with you, I don't even consider myself a coach. Um, I think for people that want to become a coach, firstly, you don't necessarily need to be an expert. Um, in fact, let me rephrase that because that doesn't sound good. What I don't think you necessarily need to know it all, but you need to know enough for you to teach the other person um, and for you to coach the other person. So you don't need to be like, for example, Elon Musk level. You can be, for example, two steps ahead and coach someone who's just one step behind you. As long as you know a tiny bit more than the other person, then congratulations, you're able to coach them. But I think also teaching itself is an art it's, it really is an art and a skill in itself. Um, so for people that want to do coaching, one thing that's really helped me the most, I would say in the past three years of business is learning a lot about psychology and human behavior. Um, so for example, different types of personalities, how different people learn. Not everybody learns in the same way um, and everybody acts in a different way. And one of the things that I've been learning, for example, for the last, I think, nearly a year now is um, personality types. Um, so for example, Carl Jung's uh, depth psychology and things like that. So um, for people that want to be coaches, I think it really helps to understand yourself and the people around you. And by knowing that, that enables you to coach someone a lot better because that way you're not just saying, hey, you should do this because I did it, but you can tailor it to their personality and to what works for them. Um, does, does that make sense, by yes, the way? Yes, of course, yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, because some people forget about that, that you know, everyone is different and, you know, how to... And, and also what you mentioned about, you know, knowing a little bit more, because sometimes you'll have a coach that knows everything, but they don't know how to connect with people. So Exactly, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that I learned was that sometimes it's better to learn from people that are only a tiny bit ahead of you as opposed to someone that's, like... 20 times ahead of you because a person that's 20 times ahead of you might be giving you specific advice that does not apply to where you are in where you are in life um, and that's the other part of teaching in terms of it being a skill um, you need to understand like the person you're coaching where are they in their life in their life um, and how can you help them in that specific moment you know me telling someone who's for example if someone wants to start a business and I start telling him about how to, scale a, how to scale a company from 10K to 100K, it's not going to make any sense to him whatsoever. But if I tell him, hey, here's how you can get clients, here's uh, the type of services you can sell, that's a bit more applicable to where he is in his, in his journey. So, um, yeah, know, know your audience, I guess. 
Exactly. And like, do you still do the cold calling now, or do you have a different system for actually trying to bring in clients? No, I don't, I don't actually do the cold call anymore. Um, yeah, those are good times. Um, now we get most of our clients through LinkedIn. Um, so one of the things that I'm focusing on a lot is content marketing and personal branding. And so, um, many of the clients that we take on now tend to be through LinkedIn, whether it's through, um, just messaging people and connecting with them on LinkedIn to them seeing my content and, um, you know, being reminded that they need a video. So for example, I'll give you a recent story. Um, I've been, I've been recently in the past couple of months, um, producing content. Um, I'm trying to go for daily now, but, um, I've been putting out content, whether it's personal life stories, just about me personally, or whether it's content about my service and, you know, uh, explainer videos, which is what we do. Um, and we had a client who was following us. Um, he was following me for like, I think it was two, three months. Um, he messaged me on LinkedIn by saying, Hey, Umesh, um, I've been, I've been seeing your content for a while now. And it's reminded us that, um, how important video was, and they didn't realize how important it was before, but seeing my content reminded them of that. Um, but long story short, they really wanted to hop on a call. And so that's what we did. Uh, we discussed exactly what they needed, what they were looking for. Um, and they end up being one of my biggest clients in terms of value size, in terms of deal value size. Um, so that was a $10,000 client. And that just taught me, wow, the power, the power of storytelling, the power of um, being able to um, just show who you are yeah. to people that don't know you because that builds up the trust. So for example, when I got on a call with these guys, it was very different to if they did not know who I was because they already had a picture of who I was in their head based on the content that they've been consuming. Um, and I think that's the amazing thing about content marketing. You're able to tell your story and you're able to control it. Um, and I think that's really important. So um, yeah, I think content marketing is, is becoming and it's, it's slowly getting there, but hopefully that will be one of our main um, sources of, of generating leads. Mm. And I think the trick is to kind of be consistent because it, it's hard to yes. you know, just yes. you know, do it daily because the same with me just promoting this and you know, I like to, to get into the habit of actually doing it daily. You'll see the results if you keep doing it. For sure. And I think you said something interesting there because I, I think that um, most people, when I, whenever I speak to content, whenever I speak about content marketing to um, someone else, and I've done this so many times, everybody says, oh yeah, I want to do content, but the thing is, I want it to be like, I want it to look like this, or I want it to be like this. And then when they finally do do the content, it does look like what they want it to look like, but they never stay consistent. They do it for like two weeks and then they just stop and go ghost. Yeah. And because they expect in those two weeks to get results. Um, so like, for example, when I first started putting out content months ago, I think it was maybe nearly a year ago, um, every post up on LinkedIn would get like, one like or zero likes or 20 views or something like that. And I just got nothing from so many months. Um, and that's partly because I was not consistent with it. So I'll do it for maybe two, three weeks straight. And then I would stop for another two, three months. So I was never doing it daily. Um, and then when I did start to be a bit more consistent with it, um, as well as other things like improving the actual content itself, um, results just started to come. And like, for example, one of my, um, most viral posts on LinkedIn 
was just me telling the story about who I am. <laughs> Literally just me saying how I started my company with minus a thousand pounds in a bank account. Um, and just me to tell my story and that ended up going um, semi-viral. I don't know what's classified as viral now, but I think it got around uh, 40,000 views and That's 400 good. likes or so. And it was just insane. So um, consistency, man. Consistency is so key. Exactly. No, I used to... And everyone knows it as well. Everyone knows it. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I did a newsletter years ago with one of the property businesses. And I used to every month send it out. And one, I got one client. It was about after three years. And he said to me, I've been looking at your newsletter. And when I was ready to buy property, I thought of you. And you know, it's just, you just don't know. Ah, see, yeah. that, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Like code calling, for example, is um, one thing I like about code calling is that it's one of the hardest ways of generating clients and leads, but it's the one that requires the most consistency exactly. because you cannot get clients if you code call one day a week, unless you're like, you know, the guy from Wolf of Wall Street, then it's a different story. But you, you, you need to be doing it daily and you need to be doing a certain amount of numbers. And that's, I think that was a, a skill that taught me, um, you know, the, the art of being a bit more consistent. And, um, you know, I'm not that consistent right now uh, in terms of where I want to be, but um, it's certainly an area that is probably the most important of anything. So I think the example that you gave with the newsletter is a, is a great one. Yeah. And another thing with the cold calling, if I'm you know, doing something like that where I'm talking to people, it's kind of, if I get a no, I'm happy because, you know, a lot of people won't even respond or you won't get through to them. So when yeah. I get a no, I say, oh, good, I'm getting closer to a yes. And that kind of works for me. You know, it's just kind of... Well, that, and that's, that's a great example because when your response to that was a positive one, whereas most people, when they received a no, it would dishearten them yeah. and it would literally make them stop cold calling for the rest of their life. Most people I talk to that that did code calling, they say things like, oh yeah, I did it for about two weeks, um, but it was just too hard. Mm. But then I'm just thinking like, you just did it for two weeks. If you did it for three months, every single day, exactly. results would inevitably come. So it, I think consistency, it's funny because we all know how powerful consistency is, but we just, for some reason, we are all not that consistent. Yeah, I think we procrastinate. We, we do other stuff when we know we should do this. What's the most important thing? you know get the content out but do we do it no yeah exactly yeah. exactly so it's it's a difficult thing because we all procrastinate i procrastinate you know i'll have periods where i just i just want to watch netflix all day um so i try and stay away from things like that but um it's funny because in my head i always see it as if i was doing the things like in my head i'm already the perfect person if that makes sense so i'm already the person that i want to be in my head but making that a reality is a different story. And that requires me to, to, to do everything consistency, uh, consistently. Um, and that's a difficult thing to do. But I think through strong habits and eliminating bad habits, um, it's a great start in, in getting there. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, perfect. Listen, it's been fantastic. So how can people get in contact with you, Umesh? Um, so I, I guess the best way in, in finding me is through LinkedIn. Um, if you just search my name, Umesh Bhatt, um, I think, um, and that's U-M-E-S-H-B-H-A-T-T, um, you should find me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there. Um, and then if you want to check out some of the work that we do, you can go to our website, um, Um Those are the two best places to find me. Perfect. And I'll also tag you as well when I put up the video so that people will be able to actually see it. For sure, man. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. So thanks very much.
yeah thank you Roy for having me on um, it's been a great episode so I hope you enjoyed this week's episode um, as I mentioned earlier you can find everything on speakingpodcast.com Facebook Instagram and YouTube all at Speaking Podcast other podcasts are learnpolishpodcast.com and the meditationpodcast.org so until next week take care